Welcome to Fright School. Are you ready? Class is in session. Welcome back to Fright School, Joe. She Joshua. Got us. She did. She got us, Ms. Ms. Rona. 2022 coming in the door finally coming through my body oh my gosh um it's been what two two and a half years we think right since, yeah, she, just about. since she first since she first made her way onto the uh onto the stages of the world you know mm-hmm. onto the pageant circus that great viral pageant circus she has reinvented herself many times she has she has she's she's evolved she's stepped her game up yeah. you know i was going to say something else but i really hate that phrase so we're going to leave that alone <laughs> she's been she's been evolved you know it's like she's was on uh, season 1 of drag race you yes. know, and now she's returned 15 years later <laughs> yes. to show how improved she's been. Yes, this is uh, she's the um, jujube of viruses. Yes, there we go. <laughs> uh, yes, she did. She finally came for the household. So we have avoided her up until this point. And I have to say, it's really not been that bad. I mean, on the last episode, I probably sounded even worse than I do now. Mine has all been viral stuff. Um, others in the household have been coughing a lot, but, you know, it's okay. I don't know what that means, viral stuff. I mean, sorry, not viral. I meant um, nasal. uh, Yeah, but that's not even the word I was looking for. Like just sinus, sinus stuff. Sorry. I'm like, I also have like this weird, like tiredness, which I guess is is a thing too for some people. Uh, I've just felt really exhausted. Like I've really, literally, like done nothing since we got back from London, except well, we did we did go see Craftwork, Craftwork, um, the Teutonic Electronic uh, Group, and that was a lot of fun. But I was like exhausted at it. I was like falling asleep almost. So then we came home, and then a few days later we tested positive. Boo. So, but I have no idea when, because I don't know when we picked it up. If it's something that we, you know, you just, you don't know. I mean, we've been to London and back and we're on planes and, you know, so who knows how long it took to gestate, you know, and, and, and get get her makeups done before she showed up full force in my sinus cavities. (laughs) Yeah. So who knows? But the point is, is that it has it has been mild, like not not like I've, I hear a lot of horror stories, a lot of people that are getting it for, you know, second, third times that are having terrible times. I don't know if these are people who've been totally boosted or not or at all or some. I don't know. But so I don't know if that really has anything to do with it anymore, especially as she's been evolving, as we say. So it's just been like a weird week. How are you feeling? Um, I'm, I'm feeling much better than I did a few, a few days ago. Um, I think the worst of it for me was as of recording this, the worst of it for me was like maybe three or four days ago. Um, yeah, I know I hit you up uh, to, uh, to maybe do some early recording and you're like, girl, I can't talk. I ain't got no voice. I ain't got no voice. I ain't like got no- Ursula the sea witch. It has been, it has been stolen from me. Yes. Uh, she was like, it won't cost much. Just your voice. Um, yeah. Yeah, I had I I had no voice for a little bit, um, which is uh, very unnerving for a podcaster to have right. no voice. Yeah, um, but it was and it was like 
it wasn't so much that I couldn't talk. It's that I could talk, but like, if I did, it would strain it and I'd start coughing because yeah, like yeah, no, totally. the things were just like, you know, everything was going in there. Um, the congestion got me real good at that same time where I was like struggling that struggling to speak. I also had like no taste or smell. I had no sense of taste or smell. Um, oh, wow. You got that. See, I didn't get any of that. Um, the Sam Squinch had a little bit of that. Yeah. Yeah. He was walking around smelling his hands. I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, I can't smell my cologne. I'm like, uh-oh, can we, we need to attack. I think that was actually our first, like, you may have COVID. So then we did tests and then we found out. Yeah. And then we found out. Yeah. It's just been so interesting to like, cause like we have, like we have friends who can't, who don't have sense of smell, um, who were just born without a sense of smell and it was really unnerving. Um, we do, you, what are you talking about? We do. I'll tell you offline. I'll tell you. Yeah, offline. you can tell me off. But I didn't yeah. know that. I didn't know we had people that couldn't smell. Oh my yeah. gosh, have I cooked for these people? Shit. You Anyways. may have, but <laughs> no, you definitely have. I'll tell you later. I'll tell you okay, later. Okay, you tell I'll, me I'll later. Find. Sorry, dear yeah. listener, but, but you can't know that information. You can't know that information. Sorry. <laughs> All um, HIPAA violations are offline. <laughs> Yes, you don't, HIPAA ain't coming for us. Rona already got us. <laughs> Anyways, so go ahead. Oh, so yeah, so I've just been. Um, it, it's literally been. It's been. It's been kind of a relief. I don't, if that's interesting to say, it's just like. Were you go- sorry before I interrupt you? Where was going I going somewhere? With this? You were talking about a friends of ours who don't have sense of smell or taste. Oh yes, so yeah, so that was really weird because it's like I. I like couldn't smell anything or taste anything. And I'm just like, okay, well, I'm just going to eat. I'm like eating because I know I'm hungry, but I'm not eating for enjoyment. And I was like, oh, this must be what it's like to be like a gym person who eats like raw chicken, like not raw, but like, you know, well done, (laughs) well done chicken breast and all that stuff. It's like, it's half a chicken breast and one asparagus. Yes. (laughs) Because like, you know, their food does food does have a certain amount of comfort. Um, Oh yeah. hundred percent. I mean, that's my biggest problem with eating is that I it's, I, I, I mean, I do eat when I'm hungry, but I also eat because things taste delicious. So like way after like the hunger's gone, I'm still eating. Cause it's just, deli- I just want more of the taste instead of like, you know, you could save this and have more of it later, but no, but it's never good it later. It's good now. Yeah. When yeah. It's yeah. When it's, yeah. it's that, it's that and the poverty thing. Like I'm definitely one of those people that has a relationship to like, I th- it's really like terrible to tell your kids to like eat everything on their plate, regardless of how they feel. So we, you know, because it's like, you never know, like one, when we're going to have a meal again, that, that there were parts of my life where that was the truth, but also, you know, they're starving children and blah, blah, you know, insert country here. And, you know, so you got to eat everything on your plate. So it's like you, you learn, I mean, I guess not just poor people. I'm sure this happens to people of all economic uh, backgrounds, but you just learn this disconnect from your body, you know, mm-hmm. when it's like food, you know? So then it's like, I have to finish everything on my plate because, it's like psychologically ingrained. How are we off on this? This is so fun. This is like um, Roxane Gay Hunger Podcast now. We're like yes, she was, know, intuitive eating. She was like, I need to, I need to unpack the unpack my relationship to food right now. <laughs> um, but overall, I mean, overall, I'm doing well. It is, a, it's kind of a sense of relief, a little yeah. bit in sen- in the terms of that, like you know, this thing that we've been avoiding and 
actively avoiding for like two and a half years um, has the inevitable has happened. Right. Um, and it's just like, okay, well, it's not, it's not as bad as it could have been in the beginning. And, right. and I don't regret. And that's the other thing too, is like sitting here thinking like I would be a little regretful of actions that I'd taken in the past. Cause I still got it. And I'm like, no, I don't regret any of it because to get it now is completely different than to get it then. Not only is the, not only is the variant gone through so many different changes, but like science, like we have, you know, vaccinations and booster and all of these other things, testing yeah, being what widely is the available. Pav, what's the stuff they're giving people? Pav- Paxlovid. 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 It's, anyways yeah so exactly yeah no i totally reject like the morality policing that was happening at the beginning um and that kind of still happens you know i mean again i do agree with like the conversation around ableism that you know we we should be aware and we should be careful like going into certain places there are certain jobs that are higher risk that you know we don't really know how it might affect any one person that might get it. Um, you know, so you don't know if you go out in public and you give it to somebody that it's going to kill, you know, again, I don't know how much personal responsibility we can hundred percent take for that kind of stuff, you know, except that, because that could happen, you know, with the flu, it could happen with all kinds of germs and diseases, you know, if we're not, you know, careful and aware and, and community mindful, uh, like I said, we went out, we had to go shopping as we haven't like shopped <laughs> forever. So we both put masks on and we went to the store, you know, cause it's like, what can you, you know, that's the best we, we can do. Cause we had to get like stuff, but we are also not, um, like as symptomatic, you know, as we were. Um, so, but I also think that that's just a thing anytime. Like if you have a cold, like put on a mask, like if you have to go out, cause there's a lot of things that you just, you have, like you have to do like in the world that we live in, um, I also think that our healthcare system is garbage and can be, you know, to blame for a lot of this. So a lot of the people that have, you know, preventable illnesses that they just don't have the money to take care of it. Like that's not something that can be on like the average individual citizen. That's something that we have to like tackle. So yeah, some of the morality policing is really annoying. Uh, I particularly find it odd seeing it from people and then they got it and then that goes away. Then all of a sudden it's not a personal failing that they got it, but before it was. So that's been really interesting to see. <laughs> but I mean, you know, hypocrisy. What, what's but that's none of it? our business. Sip. Right, exactly. Sip. Um, you know, but yeah, to be a hypocrite is human or whatever. <laughs> I'm trying to do it to, to air is human or whatever, divine, to forgive divine. Is that what it is? To air not is human, point. to forgive divine, yes. Yeah, so whatever. Anyways, maybe enough COVID talk. Um, just wanted to recognize that we it's visited us, so and we're doing our best. And I hope that you're staying safe out there, dear listeners, watchers, viewers, who wherever you are, wherever I am in your earballs. <laughs> um, all right, so we finished Stranger Things. Did you finish it as well? Yes, of course. Okay. Um, I, (laughs) 
I'm trying to figure out how like I feel about it because it was it, it was like super fun, you know, as always. I really enjoy Stranger Things. I think, you know, I think we talked about this on the last uh, episode. You know, the 80s nostalgia of it all can be really fun. Um, I enjoyed Eddie. I enjoyed like, you know, all of those kinds of things. I think what kind of annoyed me about it, it's like, you know, spoilers abound, people. So if you don't stop this hear, right now, right, or just skip you know, skip a little bit, but, um, you know, the thing about 11 losing her powers and then it's like, she's got to get them back. And this whole thing of like Mike having to like tell her that he loves her. And then she like, can totally like become her. I don't know. It just like, it just annoyed me. (laughs) I mean, again, I get like, Love can move mountains. You know, the the film we're going to discuss today has this problem in it too, which is why I'm talking about this because I think it's it's similar. Um, in the abyss, there's there's some stuff going on with you know smart, capable woman and whatever. But anyways, it's and, and Wonder Woman. Same thing with like Wonder Woman. Like she's a fucking demigoddess. Like why does she need the love of some <laughs> loser human to like overcome? an obstacle. I don't know. It just annoyed me. I also don't know what they would have done instead other than like, it just would have worked, you know, like she would have just found that power within herself through all of her trauma, through everything that she's been through. That is enough, you know, to bring out the Phoenix type vibes that we were getting. Like that's enough. Um, We didn't need, you know, Mike to be like, I love you. You know, it was also like, um, American Horror Story, where what's her face? Zoe dies and like she goes to, you know, or her version of hell is um, Kyle telling her that he doesn't love her. It's like, what is, what is going on? Like, <laughs> like you're a witch. You have all these powers. Like, come on. It's just, it's just a weird thing. It's like a way to uh, like spay these like powerful women. <laughs> Even though I'm not, I'm sure that's not exactly what they're. I don't think the Duffer brothers set down to do that. Obviously, I don't think. I mean, at least I don't think that they were trying to like. You know, it just annoyed me. I don't know. What did you think? Did you have feelings about that, or did it just go right over? <laughs> <laughs> I like. I like how you phrase that. It's like, did you have feelings about that? Or are you too dense to know no, no, that no, that no. is the true meaning? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm sorry. That's not. That's not really what I meant. What I meant was maybe I just noticed that and nobody else like did because I haven't seen any critique of it. Well, no, because like what else were they so, like, of course, it's going to be the power of love conquers all like that's right. that's the huge that's the huge point of like 80s movies in general too. you know, all of that stuff like um, that's true. What I did like about it uh, and appreciate was the fact that um, Eleven just kind of well, again, spoilers, God, like, please stop listening to this and finish Stranger Things. But um I just kind of love that like Eleven let Dr. Brenner die um, and she didn't forgive him. Like that I loved. Yeah. Um, I agree. Same, same thing with, uh, uh, same thing with Max where Max was just like, sometimes I wish that Billy died. Like, cause he was really right. awful to me. And when he died, I was kind of relieved. Like there's, there's a certain, there's a certain power in that as well. Like just recognizing that like, sometimes your villains can just be villains. Like you can have, you can have a complicated relationship with the people in your life who have also harmed you, like irrevocably harmed you. But at the same time, that does not mean that they are owed your forgiveness. at all. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. 
So that I appreciated a lot where she's just like, he's just like, you know, I'm really proud of you. And she's all like, goodbye, Papa. (laughs) It just died. And I'm like, great. Love this. Yeah. Um, And I guess that's what I mean. Like, I felt like that should have been enough, like to, you know, defeat that. And then she could have like, you know, become what she was meant to be. So, you know, but you're right. You're absolutely right. As such, as, as so much of this has been a like nostalgic eighties, love fest it is you know echoing some of those themes that we did see at that time i just uh i'm not saying for myself that's not like enough you know there could have been other things (laughs) yeah i see what you're saying because like why can't we just have why can't the powerful woman just be powerful right right and not and instead of like they need they need the love of a human, love of a man. Um, I'm going to reflect on that a lot, though, because I'm just like, well, yeah, why can't they? Um, I think that's something that's interesting about, because I just watched the season finale. So the boys on Amazon. Oh, yeah. They're very much kind of like the women just kind of exist powerful beings on their own. And they do talk a little bit in the season about like the relationship between like a human regular person and like a super woman. And he's like, I just want to save you. And she's like, I don't need your saving. Like, just let me be powerful. That's my job. That's who I am. Um, And then at the end, she, he lets her do that. Uh, So I recommend the boys to you, Joshua, for that reason. Um, But it's a a really fucked up show. I I would like to see it. I have heard, interesting things about it. There's part of me that would like to check out the, um, the comics, I guess that it's based on. Mm-hmm. I have like a comics, comicsology subscription. I think there's some of the, the, the first ones are on there. So I wanted to check them out. Um, yeah. I don't know. That was just, you know, that was just a little blot on otherwise I really did enjoy the season overall. I thought it made a lot of sense to kind of split the group up into like kind of three different factions and and tell the story in different ways. Uh, the dramatic irony of it all was really fun when you kind of knew like, Oh, those people are over there. These people are over there. That group is there. And they're all kind of working towards the same, you know, eventual uh, destination, you know, story-wise I thought was uh, a really fun way to kind of shake it up. Uh, it's mm-hmm. always fun to see uh, fictional versions of like '80s California. <laughs> yes. Because I, in watching it, in watching it, I was like, "Oh my gosh, that's kind of like what I grew up with as a kid, thinking that California was like to some degree, you know, mm-hmm. um, maybe more so the '90s and like Clueless and you know, sorts of like just like a, a candy colored, like intense world of like sunlight and endless beaches." Uh, and now we live here and we know that it's just a uh, cost of fortune. Um, but the sunlight is real. <laughs> the sunlight is real, but it does it. You are right. It does cost a fortune. Uh, yeah. So I, overall, I enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to seeing how they wrap it all up. Uh, yeah. Good times. Lovely. Um, the other thing I went and I saw the black phone while I was in London. We need, we had a day where we were like, out. it was like the second to the last day. I think we were there or the, maybe the third to the last day where it's like, we were mm-hmm. kind of out and about and we didn't want to go back to the hotel necessarily. Cause I didn't want to like lay in bed, but I was like, we, I need to rest. We had had, we got like over 13,000 steps a day. One day we got 20,000 steps in a day. Like it was a lot of walking. And I was like, I need to sit down 
so we, we saw the black phone and we're going to have to see it, Joe, and talk about it because there's like a whole big thing going on online uh, about, uh, you know, whether or not it's like homophobic or like all of these, all of these different discussions happening. Have you seen any of that? Because you haven't seen the movie yet, right? No, and I've not seen any of, I've not seen any. All, all I've seen is that uh, black phone slash freaky are going to be at Universal Halloween Horror Nights. Uh, oh. Because Michael Kennedy had posted that right now they're they just released a trailer that they're going to have um, mazes at uh, Universal Halloween Horror Nights, so we we definitely have to go to that. Oh um, yeah, and yeah. Michael Kennedy also posted. He said that like Black Phone, he in his opinion, Black Phone and besides Freaky is the like best thing since Get Out that they yeah. put, that Blumhouse has put out. Yeah, so, I think I saw his uh, post about that. Uh, Michael Kennedy, for those uh, of you listening that don't know, is the screenwriter for Freaky. And we interviewed him a few episodes back uh, when we went to the Renegade Film Festival. We had the chance to run a panel with him and it was super fun. So go back and listen to that episode if you... uh if you if you haven't and watch Freaky, uh, but yeah, I just been seeing all this conversation. So now we we need to go and and watch it because when I was watching it, I definitely picked up on some of it. But it's like again, it, I didn't feel like it was like some kind of hidden subtext. You know, yeah. it felt very textual. <laughs> just because there are things that the grabber played by Ethan Hawke uh, says uh, that are definitely very creepy and very you know. Uh, predator, you know, sexual predator in mind, uh, you know, that's what it, but I felt like that was the thing. So I'm curious what, uh, when you see it and if you read, uh, particularly, I think BJ, um, um, I always say her last name wrong. Colangelo? Colangelo. She wrote an article about it. Somebody else wrote a, an article in screen something, We'll talk about it. I'll post obviously links to all these articles when we when we do an episode on it. Uh, but it just seems like there's some differing opinions. Uh, our friend Sam Weinman has tweeted quite a few times about it, uh, talking about holding movies to you know standards, uh, even if we enjoy them, which I do agree with. That obviously our show's always been about that. We can love something and also critique it. Uh, the horror genre, that's what it's about. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I'll be very curious to see what you think. I enjoyed the film. I didn't leave feeling like, you know, it made gay people look bad, <laughs> you know. Um, but again, I don't. <sighs> I can see where it would come from. But again, I don't. I don't know. It didn't leave me feeling any kind of way except very happy for Joe Hill. I thought they did a really good job adapting his story. So I guess we'll see when we watch it. That's right. Because <laughs> it's a Joe Hill story, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's from 20th century ghosts, uh, uh, a short story originally. So really fun. I don't know. Um, what did you watch this week? Anything? Um, you mean my COVID, my COVID binging? Um, yeah. I imagine that you did some binging of COVID stuff. Oh, <laughs> my friend. Yes, I did. Um, so I took this uh I took this uh sickness to uh to finally engage in what people have been doing for the last two and a half years, which is binge things while you know convalescing. And um I have I'm now caught up, officially now caught up on the boys because they just had the season finale of uh season three. So I started uh when my symptoms all were starting, I started the boys and then I finished it. 
recently because they just came out on Friday. How many episodes are there? Because it's like three seasons already. It's three seasons of eight episodes. So, oh yeah, you can do that in three days. Three yeah, three it's, days. Not, it's not. It's not. Okay. It's not. A, um, it's not a, a difficult watch like that at all. Um, and then in one whole day, I <laughs> in one whole day, I started and finished Hacks. Uh, finally, uh, started and finished Hacks, which I loved. Yay! Uh, it oh, was so good. It I was love so Hacks. so good. Um, yeah. Hannah Einbinder is like the perfect foil to um gene smart gene smart that's who it is right yeah um she's also yeah, by like, way of joan rivers <laughs> she's also like completely unlikable which i loved um and it's just like the worst of like zenial culture um and i loved what oh, it was talking- einbinder you mean yeah yeah oh, okay okay kind of einbinder yeah. Yeah, I mean, Gene Smart's character, Deborah, is also terrible. So I wasn't sure. I was like, wait, where are we going? <laughs> I I don't know. Like, I thought I was expecting her to be really mean to her staff. She was only mean to her. Because, like, that first scene where she's, like, getting off stage and she's, you know, going back to her dressing room, she has, like, there's a sincerity and a professionalism with everybody that she's working with that, like, and she doesn't treat any of them like shit. So, like, to me, I was like that. I thought that was a very specific and interesting choice to have her be only really shitty to, like, kind of her daughter and to Ava. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that I mean, that's that is a very good point. She's careful with the people that she pays, I think, because she knows that it keeps her industry up and going. Uh, but it's like, yeah, you wonder how much she considers them as like real family or friends, you know, versus which they have that whole argument about that. I mean, that's what the whole, you know, in the second season, uh, the, their argument uh, or her reading the email about like, nobody loves Deborah, and, you know, they have, they, they're only there cause they get paid. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm curious how they'll continue to build that and if that will change because they also, on the road when they were yeah. traveling touring that seemed more familial i really did like also how these two seasons were a complete thought yes like i loved how like we put a button on it if they didn't get picked up for a third season like it ends in a very in a ends in a very decent place so it'll be interesting to see where they pick up and how much longer they think they're going to keep this going because i think it's going to come to like a i think that there's a pl- it needs to come to a, like a natural end and it'll be interesting to see. Cause now that they've gotten picked up for season three, you know, thank you Emmys. <laughs> thank you Emmys for that. Um, it was just yeah. so, it was beautiful television to watch. And I was just, um, I'm glad that, uh, glad that I finally able, was able to make it watch. I'm like, I need to watch. These are the types of shows that need to be made. Um, yeah, I I really enjoyed it. I thought it gave a really good look at that kind of that world and you know sort of what it takes, especially. And again, I, did you see a piece of work with uh, Joan Rivers? Mm-mm. You should watch that documentary, even if you don't really like Joan Rivers. Which again, I have mixed feelings. Like I do, I have a lot of respect for her. Um, sad about the last few things she said before she died. You know, awful. Um, but it's kind of like that's like the blueprint for the whole that whole character they 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 even like kind of have scenes where there's a scene where deborah gets something canceled 
And it's like, she has to find something to do. That's like, Joan Rivers was like that. She had this big book and she would complain about the white spaces in it. And it's like, she's like, have to have something to do every day, every hour of the day, have to stay busy, have to stay working. Uh, So there's just a lot that I think that that documentary and Joan Rivers' life really um, inspired this. Uh, Even more so than like The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which I know also kind of gets that same like, you know, Joan Rivers in the 50s or 60s or whatever when she was coming up, Phyllis Diller, you know, other uh, female comics of that of that time. But I highly recommend that just as a watch. It's really fascinating. That woman had a crazy work that work ethic. <laughs> Love it. Love it. I'm glad that you watched Tax. Yay. Yeah, I am too. Um, and now I'm on uh a, I'm on a rewatch into the getting caught up of Westworld. Oh, wow. Okay. So you're all um, over the place. I love it. I know. Cause I, cause I couldn't, uh, I watched Westworld season one and I really liked it. And there was this great companion podcast that I was listening to as well that had like two of the most interesting and like people who ever, who recap television that I just love listening to. And, and that was part of my enjoyment of the series. And then watching in the season two, um, in season two of Westworld, um, it was the, <laughs> it was, um, I watched the finale of season two during uh, the the night of the 2016 election. <laughs> uh, and so it completely like, you know, tainted that. So when they came out with season three, I didn't watch anything related to season three. And now we're on season four. Um, the the new episodes are just coming out right now. So I was like, you know, maybe it's time. And I think I need to start, finish this journey that I started. So I re, I'm rewatching right now season, um, I'm rewatching right now season two, getting, you know, trying to power through all of that to get to the, uh, to get to season three. And then I think season three will be like the direct, season four is supposed to be like a direct sequel of season three. Um because things are just really different and weird um, for the other stuff. So, ah, but yeah, so I'm, cool. I'm, I'm really all over the place. Um, yeah. And interspersing things. Uh, Jimmy Kins and I are, had just finished season five of all stars. Oh, so okay. we're, so we're going into season 13 of regular drag race, which is uh, the COVID, the first COVID season. Right. And um, it's going to be fun. Like, I think, It'll be nice to also kind of revisit those, the newer Queens again. Yeah. Um, and I haven't seen any of season 14, so we'll both be watching that new. Oh, cool. Really cool. All right. Well, yeah, getting caught up on drag race, drags. Um, we we should like chat about drag race, but uh not here. Maybe we'll talk about it over on the after fright school special. So you'll have to uh yeah, hear our, hear our drag race recap uh over there getting caught up. Um, you know, it's funny that you're revisiting Westworld that you started a long time ago because I'm doing that with the fall with Gillian Anderson, which is a like a BBC. I think uh, BBC show that I started when it first came out in like 2016, I watched the first season and then I like got lost, fell out of it. And so I've been binging it. I watched all of the, I've watched the first, the two seasons now. And I think I'm moving into the third. So good. I love British series though. Cause they're like six episodes. That's like perfect. Like yeah. that's perfect for a season uh, for most things. 
you know, most stuff I feel these days, we don't need, you know, 24 episodes or a thousand hours of content. Like just tell a really good tight story in a few episodes. Uh, it's fun. It's about her hunting a serial killer. Super fun. You know, I like it. I love Jillian Anderson. I'm also watching right before we came on to record this, I had to take a break and I'll, I'll go back to it after we finish. I'm watching her be uh, Margot Channing and all about Eve for the national theater at home. Uh, I subscribe to their uh, service where you can watch all kinds of plays and stuff on, on, uh, on demand that they filmed like actual plays. Love that. I'm so into that. I love that kind of stuff. So I watched her in a streetcar named desire. Oh, delightful. I'm just on a Jillian Anderson kick. Do do they have an archive of the previous shows that they've done as well? Like all kinds of things, what they, what they filmed. Yeah. And I think it rotates out. Yeah, so they, it's tons of Shakespeare stuff, obviously, but there's all kinds of other plays. And yeah, there's like a there's supposed to be a production of Julius Caesar that they did that's really great. Yeah, um, I think that's on there. The Frankenstein with Benedict Cumberbatch is on there. Oh yeah, where they like flip a coin or whatever, they draw who gets. Yeah, to I think sometimes it's him, and sometimes it's like Johnny Lee Miller or something. Yeah, um, I think that I could I could be wrong about who that is, but um, that's who I think it is. Uh, oh my gosh, that reminds me, I saw the cutest thing on Build a Bear, and I really want to buy it, but it's so expensive. Um, it, they're doing a Frankenstein and a Bride of Frankenstein bears. They're Aww. so cute. I showed them to Jeffrey earlier. I was like, look at these. They're so cute. I want them. So I could sit them in a chair over there. <sighs> anyway, oh my other. gosh. All right. Well, we have uh, just talked so long that uh, we're not even going to have time to discuss the abyss. No. <laughs> Uh, All right, we will be right back after these messages with the abyss. Hey, dear listener, Joshua here with a plug for our Patreon. Becoming a Fright School patron will give you the opportunity for exclusive access to bonus content, including videos, our secret show, book club, and even monthly online hangouts with us. That's right. We've been hard at work preparing all of this exciting content for you, including our brand new secret show, The After Fright School Special. Joe finally gets his revenge by making me watch his favorite films. Some of them will even be gag family friendly. We have four different monthly memberships available. The PTA Booster Club at a dollar, Just Auditing at $5, Full-Time Load at $10, and the Faculty Lounge at $20. Every bid helps us keep Fright School going, and we are so grateful for any and all of your support. Join us over at patreon.com slash Fright School. The class you never want to miss just got better. All right, welcome back. So we are continuing our Don't Go in the Water uh, series for July um, with The Abyss, 1989. So this probably is a film that people are like, ah, that's not a horror. Well, I don't agree. <laughs> I think it's one of those films that is sort of existentially horrifying. There are quite, there's, there's a lot going on in it experientially, like when you're watching it, especially if you watch it on a big TV in a really dark room, <laughs> it gets a little like claustrophobic at times. I do think technically it's a science fiction film, but I kind of consider it. I think of this as like hopeful horror. <laughs> so don't, things- don't do that. Don't try to make, don't try to shoehorn things into horror. This is, <laughs> This no, is, don't you gatekeep horror. Uh, <laughs> this is no hopeful horror, horror. Well, in the sense that, like, because you go through the movie thinking, like, you know, something horrifying is going to happen, but in the end, it sort of it ends on this sort of uh, hopeful note. Well, again, depending on 
well, it's hopeful either way, but depending on what version you watch, because this is very famously, there's a theatrical version, then a special edition version that expands on it. Uh, did you get a chance to watch the alternate ending I sent you? Yes, I did. Yes. Okay, good. So, um, like I said, The Abyss. I'm trying to find, I found, uh, there was a, I found a good, what, well, at least what I liked was a, uh, yeah, I love this. The premise of The Abyss is more convoluted than the entire plot of most movies. <laughs> An oil company has constructed a live ri- live-in rig called Deep Core, a huge spidery-looking home on the ocean floor. Lindsay Brigman is the smart, tough engineer who designed it. Her strange husband, Bud, is its working-class foreman. Uh, when a United Navy, uh, United States nuclear submarine mysteriously loses power, a Navy team uses Deep Core as a base and enlists crew in the rescue mission. And then uh, aliens uh, from the deep show up. <laughs> uh, Joe, what did you think about this movie? This is not horror, Joshua. Why are we watching this? <laughs> like, the score is very, like... <laughs> The score took me out of it. Like, this is not... Spielberg. That's what jo- Jeffrey was saying. He came in, he's like, this sounds very Spielberg. I'm like, it's I know, James it, Cameron. It's <laughs> James Cameron. I was like, uh, this is the other one. Uh, the other big budget, you know, <laughs> uh, white white man director. Um, uh, yeah, it, it was... I was I was waiting the whole time for horror to show up and it didn't. Um I it left me it was like wait I was like waiting for horror godot like just <laughs> you know nothing to be done no one to be scared there was it, it really wasn't like they weren't malevolent in any way at least in this theatrical cut like it was just very not the horror was us, you know, I mean, as is with most horror movies, right? Like the horror is us, the, we are the dead. <laughs> We're the walking dead. Right. Um, yeah. I didn't like it. I would not watch it again. And I would not <laughs> even just on its own. No, no. I, like, wow. You know, I watch, you know, I, I can't wait. I've, I'm and I was like, you know what? I liked, I liked the abyss when they remade it and called it the sphere. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. I actually was looking up sphere because I saw that too. Um, yeah, well, again, that makes me sad only because, like, I do, I do think this is a great film on kind of on its own. Uh, personally, I've seen, I don't even know how many times I've seen um, The Abyss. I enjoy it very much. I oh, I forgot I was going to bring my DVD copy in the show because it's kind of cool the way that they uh, did the packaging. But that's okay. Uh, you know, it's a it's not really a visual medium usually, of course. Unless you're yes, yes, yes. Unless you are watching. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I consider it, you know, a horror film again. Yes. Because of the existential stuff. I mean, and watching it, like, I mean, it, there are moments in this film that are so suffocating. It's like that gravity movie or interstellar or whatever it is where they get like, they're floating off into the, into space. Which one is that? Gravity. Yeah. <laughs> interstellar is um, not like that. I don't know. I, well, interstellar, I get, I, there is space stuff, but it's, Yeah. Yeah, it's more well, like anyways, time travel. Point is, there are just moments in this that are really like freaky to me. Uh, along with just yeah, the like the threat of being kind of trapped in a space with like a you know a homicidal navy dude. <laughs> so I just I consider it like it's like a mix. Like again, like I said, I think I think it's very existential horror. Um, I also like so we have this kind of concept of um, uh, I think it's Mark Twain that's like history doesn't repeat itself, but it often rhymes, I think is the thing. And so the abyss, like this film really gives me like 
1950s, like day the earth stood still, you know, you have like McCarthyism and like the beginning of the, the Cold War and people freaking out and the invasion anxiety that was going on, you know, with, within the populace. And, you know, so I make all these like alien films about being invaded by hostile beings, um, you know, and they remade the day the earth stood still with counter Reeves. And it's kind of similar to this where it's like, we're going to destroy you for your own good and for the good of your planet and all the other species on it. Uh, you know, unless you can convince us otherwise. Uh, so moving now into the eighties, you know, with like, again, panic over Russia. I mean, we're going to make a movie like this any day now, you know, just because it's like, we're back to this, like, you know, insane Russian, um, well, Actually, I don't know if so much of it's insane. <laughs> Actually, there might be something to be said for uh, Russian cyber criminals and, you know, the psychotic Putin invading everywhere and, you know, threatening to bomb London. So maybe it's not so um, paranoia driven <laughs> right now. But I think at the time, you know, with everything going on, uh, I just think it's interesting that we make another movie like this. And in the, the special edition version, it really expands on that with like the Soviet Union and, you know, that was like such, again, another staple of the 80s, much like we were talking about Stranger Things, like Russia did it, <laughs> you know, or Soviet, the Soviets did it. Uh, you know, so you kind of have this like threat of like nuclear holocaust and all of this going on in the real world. And this is like another example of a film uh, that takes all of that real world cultural anxiety, all of that real world world fear and channels it, I think, into a really great you know, invasion film. <laughs> you're like, no, I can't with this. <laughs> no, you're, you're Joshua. I call bullshit. You're reaching. <laughs> this is like, I don't. Here's the thing. Well, it's not reaching because it's in there. I mean, this this isn't even not that. in the theatrical version. Oh, well, that's true. Well, not in the some, not in the theatrical version between, uh, between the Soviets in there. Yes, but like what you're talking about about like wiping away life on Earth. Like right. in order That's, to like start a new, yeah. that is not in the theatrical version that yeah. I watched. Yeah. So yeah. you have to see the alternate ending yeah. or like the expanded version for the more, which again, I think is an improved film. I do, I think it's better. The theatrical version is better for a lot of, I mean, the, um, the expanded version is better for a lot of reasons. One. So this movie also reminds me a little bit of alien and aliens. Yes. Because you, know, you have like a tight group, you know, have like this working class group, you know, just trying to do their jobs. They're being commandeered by, you know, the U.S. military uh, thing apparatus to, you know, to do this rescue mission that they, you know, a lot of them don't feel qualified for. But, hey, we're going to get big bonuses. Again, that's the promise on Alien, <laughs> you know, that they're that they, you know, are going to they just want to get their checks. They want to get through this. Um, but they have to now go off and, you know, hunt down what's this beacon of SOS message. Um, anyways, so the expanded version gives you a lot more of the relationships between them. Uh, there's a really great scene. I don't think it's in the theatrical version where they sing. Uh, what's that song? Willen by Linda Ronstadt. You know, if you give me weed, whites and wine, you know that song, give me a no. sign. Okay, whatever. Anyways, it's a great song. Um, but they have a whole moment where they like sing that together. There's a lot of like little moments between everybody that just really kind of fills out. It makes them more than just like a group of people waiting to be like either drowned or like otherwise murdered by, by uh, coffee waving his uh, gun around in this insane place. Um and then on top of it, it also adds in the whole story of like the giant waves that, you know, where these these alien creatures are going to like destroy everything. 
and, uh, you know, wipe off the face of the planet. But again, if not for love, <laughs> if not for, you know, one man's dedication to uh, stop them from being blown up. Uh, like, what is it? Five times Hiroshima or something. Yeah. That little thing has like the power of that. Anyways, sorry. Go ahead. You were <laughs> reaching. She's reaching. <laughs> like, like. Uh, this movie is like you know I like I was like I like this movie when it when they remade it and called it the Sphere. Um, right. I like this movie when they remade it and called it Armageddon. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Well, because the oil drillers not no, like, yeah like going to save the world. One guy gets left behind, or no, he he volunteers basically on a suicide mission to you know. Uh, it's it's reverse right he's like he's to blow up the bomb as opposed to uh as opposed to uh retrieving it like you're you're right the scariest thing is just like dealing with the like uh psychotic or um what is it they're feeling the effects of like the pressure psychosis or whatever yeah they they have um uh, high pressure nervous syndrome. So causing them to like, they can, can cause paranoia, delusions, you know, all of that violence. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so coffee. Yeah. Coffee so, obviously. yeah. So like that, but I was like, mm, you know, I'm like, you. and then like, you see the, the music just doesn't help. Right. The music, mm. the score was beautiful. And like, I probably would love to watch this. Yeah, that's Alan a... Silvestri on the score. He also scored uh, Back to the Future. Oh, well, that makes sense because it, it's very sweeping and it this would be something that'd be cool as like a watch at the symphony, but like, you know, nothing menacing or like, I, I felt no, I felt like I was watching an action movie. Um, and well, yeah, no, I'll give you that for sure. Yeah. 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 I guess again, it, it just, for me, I always felt like there was just this bigger, like, yeah, existential horror of it all. And then like just the being in the cramped spaces and there are just moments where it's like, oh my gosh, these people are drowning all the dead bodies, you know, watching their fellow people. So again, I think the horror of it is like the, like trading, like the space, you know, like that in empathetic mm -hmm. space with these people of what they're dealing with like this very real life horror that happens probably a lot more often than we know you know as people are on these sorts of things you know you hear about accidents and you know that happen with submarines or on drilling rigs or, or things like that um you know so i <laughs> i just kind of wanted to discuss this in that kind of context i guess uh also in just the idea that like it, the, the film begins with like a Nietzsche quote, you know, that we all are very familiar with of, you know, you know, when you look into the abyss, it looks back at you or whatever, you know, so there's just this idea that um, in the film, people see what they want to see, but also like what's inside of them, you know, so coffee's response is like hostile and negative and he wants to blow up these this the these non-terrestrial intelligent life uh you know because that's his like perspective you know whereas you have the scientists or have these other people that are like no we need to connect with them and like learn from them and blah 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 you know just kind of those same sorts of things that we see again in other past uh alien invasion type films uh creature from the black lagoon last week you know that's another one where it's like one guy wants to kill it and everybody else it's like no we need to <laughs> this is a big find idiot <laughs> 
like let's establish something here uh you know so there's just again there's like a real terrorism in this in this film that like still very much like we're all threatened by like nuclear war for very (sighs) petty reasons i think like when trump was president especially like i worried Mm -hmm. about like him just blowing up the world because he could (laughs) you know so this film gives me all of that again maybe it's just me that finds this horrifying so Sorry, Joe, if I wasted your life for two hours. <laughs> two and a half hours. Oh my gosh. It was like like exposition central. Like, you know, let's let's have this whole 10 minute scene about how you can breathe underwater. Um, which oh my gosh, that's real though. With the with the with the rat in that scene, that is real. Is that, that real? Is, yeah, that is a real that's something else I wanted to bring up. The fluid is real. So the the rat, which also, by the way. That guy keeps calling the rat a he, even though the other guy keeps saying she drives me crazy even to this day. Still annoys me. It annoyed me then, it annoys me now. Don't like miss the rat. She, <laughs> and he keeps saying he, he. It's like she's a she, and he says it again. It's like so annoying. But, anyways, no, that whole sequence is real. That's James um, Cameron said trans rights. <laughs> right. <laughs> or just, just that we have the right to our bodies, right? You know? Yes. Um, yeah, so these doctors from Duke University, uh, that, that was a, a, a technique they've been pioneering. To the best of my knowledge, I don't think any humans, maybe one, maybe there's like one guy that's tested it. So I don't think it's something, but they're working on it still. Like this is a real thing, like an amniotic fluid, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in order to breathe under underwater, quote unquote, you know, to something. So that sequence with the rat is real like that they that rat was not harmed but that well i mean i'm sure i was scared so maybe it was emotionally harmed i imagine uh but yeah when it's submerged in that uh liquid that was that was a real like pioneering technique that they uh that they were really working on for uh for whatever Um, you know what this film also reminded me that James Cameron had never has never met a submersible that he didn't like. Um, because I was like, oh, this is like Titanic. Like, I think this is what birthed that. Like he, so he had thought of this. This this film had been gestating in his mind since he was a teenager. He wrote like an initial idea of the story when he was like sixteen or seventeen. He kind of held on to it for all these years. Like when he got his first like chance to like expand it and tell it, he did. Um, and I think yeah, this is what kind of started, at least um, ha- him having the ability and the money and the funding to do this kind of work like that he did with with titanic so building they built like these giant million you know gallon tanks to like film in this was a horrible shoot that's the other thing so the other horror story of all of this is the making of it should be its own film one day by ryan murphy uh limited series coming to you uh starring starring james franco um what did somebody the abuse that's what it was the abuse (laughs) Like it was just a really bad, bad shoot because they were having to kind of create stuff as they went along. Um, you know, they were making these huge you know, water tanks and, and trying to like, you know, flood them. And like, not everything was always kind of worked out safety wise. I think James Cameron almost died. I think Ed Harris almost died. Um, Mary Elizabeth uh, Mastrantonio. 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 Yeah, Master Antonio, trying to say her name. Maid Marion uh, from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. <laughs> that's right. I haven't seen that yet, but soon. I think yes. that's on the list. It is uh, on the list. <laughs> that's on the list for uh, for After Fred School special. Uh, so she 
like got up and walked, you know, that scene where they're trying to revive her. They just kept going on and on. I guess they had to keep reshooting it. And she's like laying there, you know, bare chested as all these people are beating on her. And she got really upset and like stormed out. Um, so I think that's, I think that's where she screamed at all that they weren't animals, you know, that they, they, they did, they like trash their trailers for fun, like to get out their frustrations, like in between takes <laughs> that would start, you know, it would take hours and hours and hours to like set up stuff and film things. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, life's abyss. And then you dive. <laughs> that's one of the nicknames the cast gave it son of abyss. Um, we also get to see early, like not only these early techniques with the submersibles that obviously he would use in Titanic and, and all of that, but you also get to see early effects that would be like T2, Terminator 2 with like the liquid thing. You get to see that kind of first here, which I, I still think is so neat, even now. Like I love the design on the creatures, like the alien design. Um, all of that had to be like invented for the film. You mean this like, like giant, like jellyfish looking uncut cock thing? Like this, like... <laughs> Like that's what it like when when the like their little rover thing comes out. I'm like, this is just a giant uncut penis. Like that is like, <laughs> well, yeah, to you. <laughs> but I remember seeing that as a kid and thinking that is that is amazing. Like I thought that was so cool. Kind of like, yeah. And you know, then you saw a real one later, Joshua, and you also right. thought that was amazing. Like that's true. The point is, <laughs> is that the creature design on it is super cool. And again, they had to kind of invent it. They had to think of ways to create these like underwater aliens that would be you know see-through and all like the puppeteering and some of them needed like the wiring like everything had to be like Mm see-through and um so i just think they do a beautiful job i think it's such a beautiful idea of an alien you know or or some other you know non-human entity uh their um world that they live in their ship or whatever like the design on is really cool it's very hopeful um you know just lit up Maybe that's it. That's like the other part of this. I'm just like wowed by some of the technology on it from, you know, it's a 30 year old film now, 33 years old, whatever. 33. Yes. Yeah. And I just think it's still watching it. I think it really holds up. I think it's a, it's just, it's beautiful to look at uh, with like, again, like a, a message that I feel we're still not getting, like we do such a good job of telling these kinds of stories. Like, we're making the world uninhabitable for ourselves. We have to do something about it, you know, but then we don't. <laughs> so, but science fiction and horror have been like telling us for a long time, you know, that this is, this is a problem. This goes, it goes back, you know, um, the, the idea of like cons- conservation or um, global warming, like these aren't new ideas. Uh, people think they are, that there's some radical left agenda that just came out of nowhere, but they've been around for a long time. We've been, you know, we've already been new. We done been new. We already done been new. Um, gosh, there was something else that that was reminding me of to say, and now it's it's left. Did I make a note? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Boo. <laughs> oh, Joshua. Well, you know, if you didn't like it, that's fine, Joe. Again, you don't have to. You don't have to like all the movies. In fact, it's more fun when you don't, because then we have something to talk about. I mean. <laughs> 200 plus movies right like they can't all be winners but i was hoping that they would all be horror and i guess not (laughs) um i mean Uh, like are we i mean like i'm trying not to gatekeep here but like i really do not consider this a horror movie like a christmas a christmas carol absolutely (laughs) rudolph the red-nosed reindeer 
from your end, from your lens, yes, absolutely. But well, again, that's I think that that's what maybe yeah. this is what that is. I've always considered this a horror film because I think of it through the lens of like, you know, we're destroying the earth. We're destroying the, you know, we're not destroying the earth. That's not what I mean. We're making it uninhabitable to us and other, and other species. Um, I'm having a problem so. with, I'm having a problem with that though, because you're, you're clearly describing the premise of the, of the special edition of the like director's cut, whatever, not the theatrical version. Well, the theatrical version, um, the aliens still like maybe they don't do the because a big reason they didn't show the waves in the 89 version was because uh james cameron didn't fail the technology was like convincing enough you know so he had to cut kind of cut the film down a little bit that was his choice it wasn't uh it wasn't the studio pressuring i mean there was some pressure that people wouldn't sit through a three-hour movie uh but again dances with wolves came out like a year later and people sat through that that's like three hours long have you ever seen dances with wolves yeah i have it's long yeah, it is. It's very long. <laughs> it takes a long people, time to dance with those wolves. <laughs> people loved it, though. They, you know, they they enjoyed it. So he he kind of pulled that out. But I still feel like there's, um, you know, I don't. I guess how does the theatrical version end? Because I haven't seen it in a long time. I decided to rewatch the special edition. <laughs> See, that's why. Like, like that's why you're like you're talking about all these things, and I'm like, that's not the version that I. But want. I feel that like is, they're still in there. No, like, they're I feel not. Like the, the 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 feel of like the um you know that they're dealing with a warhead that they're you know that they they've sent this warhead to like kill all these aliens like but that aliens not, have power it has power but like not in the same way not in the same way like the the way it ends it's just like he they get there he gets to the you know the the jellyfish chamber and they show him his message that he sent back to his wife and then they just put him back up again. They don't even show the news clips or anything. No, they don't, like go through any of that like stuff. No. Uh, well, I should have rewatched that one. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I was just like, you broke your own happened. rule. You're supposed to watch. I know. The, we're supposed to watch the same version. I know, I know. But then I knew I would miss all of that because I love like those sequences. Um, well, whatever. This is just then we can just uh, trash this episode, and we won't. Uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Well, whatever. I mean, still. I mean, it's been it was interesting because like I see Ed Harris show up and I'm like, I am rewatching Westworld right now. So it was nice to like <laughs> get all of Ed Harris like, oh, that's right. Ed Harris is he is a good character. He is a um, he is a good actor. But it was it was just so it it scratched it would scratch a um, action movie itch. It did not scratch. I was hoping to scratch a horror itch, and now yeah. I'm still itchy. Now I'm gonna have. <laughs> now I'm gonna have to go watch like, I don't know, the Sphere now. <laughs> there we Which, go. It, it does make me want to rewatch the Sphere now because um, the Sphere also has some really weird, complex narrative about what's going on underwater. <laughs> this is the. Uh, this episode is going to be called Joe wishes this was the Sphere. Yes, <laughs> or Sphere. I think it's just called Sphere. I don't even yes. think it's the Sphere. I think I have the book somewhere. That's a Michael Crichton book. Who wrote yes, Jurassic it is. Park. Yeah, I think I have it up here somewhere. Anyways, I remember getting that in the nineties. I think when that came out, I got a copy of Sphere. Anyways, not the point. Uh, the point is, this was a total failure, I guess. So. <laughs> um, <laughs>
I thought you'd enjoy it because I just think it has some beautiful sequences in it and, uh, you know, some really, again, claustrophobic moments that still... I really, I went in wanting to enjoy it. I really did. Um, I mean, everything from, like, the moment Lindsay gets off the plane in her, like... What I'm assuming is like the grown-up version of a parochial schoolgirl's uniform. Oh. Um, Chris <laughs> yeah. Elliott in it for like a hot Chris second, Elliott. Um, yeah. calling her what is it the the what is it what did he call her the queen bitch of the universe? <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> there she yeah. is, the queen queen bitch of the universe. I was just like, oh my god, here we go, misogyny right out the gate. Um, it was just it it had all of that, but it it. You're you're right. It's so it's so much a reference. It's so much reference other films as much as it references. It is being referenced by other films too, like oh yeah, the absolutely. Alien and Aliens of it all, the um, Armageddon in the you know sphere. All like even I think underwater, um, which is like the Kristen Stewart. Uh, movie that recently came out, like I feel is also heavily referenced by this. <laughs> and that completes this. Uh, that actually is going to be the last movie we watch in this series. Is Underwater? <laughs> is it really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I can say wait. that because the, the newsletter's out so people know, people people know what the what the movies are we're discussing. Well, I, well, I for one, cannot wait. All righty. Well, anyways, thank you, Joe, as always. Uh, sorry that this this lets you down. And dear listener, if we let you down, sorry. Uh, but do go watch The Abyss if you haven't seen it in a while and watch the special edition version. <laughs> yes. Uh, you watch the the um, alternate ending, though. So yes, you I do did. know what I'm talking so about. So I know what you're talking. I know what you're talking yeah. about. And I prefer the alternate ending. I think that, like... I would have loved to like see because there's other things that they left in or added, like you said, like there were other things that they added on and left in. So I think I would have a different opinion of watching the alternate. Like if I hadn't, no. if I'd seen the special edition version to begin with. Right. But this movie itself, I was just like, why? It just makes me wonder why they do that. Why people do these things. Why do we right. not just like, like we, we talked about this. We've never done, an, I don't think we've ever done an episode about it, maybe, but we've definitely talked about it with Nightbreed, right? Oh, right. Yeah. Or it's like, why, like, why did they ever make it anything other than what it was? Um, yeah. Well, fucking studios get involved and, yeah. you know, the suits and they don't think people will like this or that. And again, it's, they always prove them wrong. Yeah. You know, every time they want to say like, oh, it's a fluke or an accident. It's like, yeah. no. So, yeah. all righty. Well, uh, we'll and be Joshua, back next week. <laughs> you could never, you yourself could never let me down. All right. Well, good. <laughs> and if you're going to let me down, let me down gently. Don't pretend that you don't love me. Our love ain't uh, water under the bridge. Lord have mercy. Save me. Um, all right. Well, we'll be back next week. And I don't know what you're all going to make of this movie, but uh, the, the next film we're watching, it's it's something. So uh, it, it, I'm looking forward to watching it. I really hope that we get to watch it together. I hope so, too. Um, all righty. Well, if you want to know what that movie is, you can subscribe to our newsletter in the uh, comments below or the uh, in the show notes. That way you get updates. You get updates like, you know, what movies we're watching, what's coming up on the After Fright School special where we watch things that are not horror films. Obviously, The Abyss should have been in there. <laughs> um, 
uh, <laughs> you also you can get access to uh, 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 in detention with Joe, which is just Joe's thoughts on things uh, that are delightful. Uh, yeah. Uh, also, the book club is coming up. We're going to be meeting. I think it's July thirtieth. I have to double check. I think it's it's a Saturday. Uh, but we're going to be discussing the Lady from the Black Lagoon. Such a good read. So you know, hopefully, you'll join us there on on that talk. And uh, otherwise, good night. Fright School is produced by Joshua Napier and Joe Farron. Our intro was edited by Davy Boy Productions. Our logo was designed by Jamie Channel Guzman. Episodes are edited and engineered by Joe Farron. Fright School is produced in terrifyingly beautiful San Diego, California. listening to the Geekscape Network. 